0: Welcome to The Workbench, where each week we take the time and make the space to build and create in our lives. I'm your host, Christina Awe, and I'm a writer, coach, and human resources professional with a deep interest in helping you find clarity, overcome obstacles, plan, and take action on your big dreams and goals. By doing this and sharing the journey, we can build and create, and we can inspire others to do the same. So let's get to it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the workbench. It's relaunch week, as you may know, and today's conversation is with my friend David Morgan. David and I went to high school together, and after many years of not being in touch, we reconnected, and he was so kind as to join me for a conversation and share some thoughts about career, career changes, his 30 year love affair with the Japanese language, music, and his work. We hope you enjoy how are you doing? Sure,
1: sure. I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah, nice to be chatting with you today.
0: Likewise. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm really excited and we are already recording and, and I can edit whenever okay. I need to edit out. But yeah, sure, thank you sure. so much for agreeing to be part of this. I'm so appreciative. Yeah, no problem. Great. So I'm going to read. I liked your bio, by the way. I thought it was really oh, okay. well done. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> All
0: right. So I'm recording, just checking my specs here, making sure I got everything set. Um. I have been out of practice a little bit. I haven't been oh. recording for a while, so this uh, oh, this, okay. my this is my first time in a bit. In a while, yeah, because so, okay, the yeah. last
1: the last episode that you put out was in January, somewhere around there, I think February. So. Yeah, I
0: think somewhere it was around January. there. It was
1: early in early in the year.
0: Yeah, and I had intended to I had intended to go through the year and and just realize that I I had too much on my plate and couldn't adequately give this the time it needed. So took a break, and then Mm -hmm. then I wasn't sure if I was going to go back, and then I decided to start it again, so.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice. I'm glad you did.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, So, today's guest is David Morgan, and for nearly 20 years, David Morgan has been an account manager at a management training company where he has spoken with thousands of clients, including people from all 50 states and around the globe. Prior to this, David's 15-year food service career included working at Burger King, McDonald's, ponderosa steakhouse the united states olympic training center where he cooked for olympic athletes and the adirondack mountain club where he ran the food service operations at the adirondack lodge david was born in new haven connecticut and grew up in saranac lake new york he attended college at north country community college berkeley college of music and southern new hampshire university David currently resides in a small town near the Canadian border called St. Regis Falls, New York, and lives with his wonderful girlfriend, Tracy, who grew up in Brattleboro, Vermont and Hinsdale, New Hampshire. He is a proud father and grandfather. David has a longtime interest in the Japanese language and culture. He is a former board member of the Japan American Society of Vermont. Even though it has been 30 years since taking his first lessons in the Japanese language, he is still striving to become fluent in Japanese. Well, again, thanks so much for doing this. It's really good to be having this conversation today, and I'm really appreciative for you being a guest on the Workbench Podcast. And so, I thought we'd start by having you share a little something with our audience that might surprise the people who know you, uh, it's, uh, like a little-known fact about you.
1: Oh, okay, um, um, not everybody knows. Uh, well, it's kind of a kind of a be- unique thing. When I was a kid. Um, my dad used to take me to baseball games and um, when I was around 11 years old, he took me to um, a a baseball game that was a triple a farm team, the Pawtucket Red Sox. And it was kind of a late game and it was early in the season and they were playing a, a team called the Rochester Red Wings. And we ended up leaving before the game ended because it was a tie and, and it was quite a few evenings or quite a few innings into the game. And my, my father said, we need to get home. Cause it's so late. It was like almost midnight by the time we got home. And I was only, like I said, like 11 years old. And in the morning, my, uh, my great uncle Said the game that you went to last night was the lo- world's longest professional baseball game. <laughs> really, <laughs> and, and so it, and that still stands today. So th- really, there were, there, there were not very many people in attendance at the game and um it's kind of an interesting story. Someone actually wrote a book about the game because it went on they They called it off at somewhere around four in the morning, so I only ended up seeing about a third of the game. I think it went like thirty three innings or something like that <laughs> and
0: that's fascinating
1: so it's It's kind of kind of a unique thing um to me, just I, I haven't attended that many professional baseball games, but to have been at that game is kind of, kind of unique. And That's there were, unique. There were, there were actually some, some players, even though it was minor league baseball, there were some players in that game that went on to be pretty famous for the Pawtucket Red Sox. Um, uh, Wade Boggs went on to play for the Red Sox and um, for the Rochester Red, Red Wings, Cal Ripken Jr. Okay, went on, I know that name went on to play as well so oh, kind of anyway
0: that's a good story I like that yeah <laughs> I mean isn't it interesting how you can be part of a history and in the moment it just seems like it's nothing or not that important or it's just another night and then it turns out to be something that people are actually writing books about and <laughs> it's a record that hasn't yet been beat <laughs> that's pretty cool that's right.
1: And part of the reason for the for that is that there was a page missing out of the rule book. So normally, the umpires would have called the game off way before that. But because of the missing page, they didn't they didn't call the game <laughs> off until like Seriously? four in the morning. So it probably will stand for a long that's time.
0: That's a le- that's a lesson that can be applied a lot of places. Right? Like, <laughs> make sure the make sure the rules are complete. That's funny. <laughs> Okay, well that that is that is really good. I like that a lot. Um so we both grew up in Saranac Lake, New York, which is a fairly still a fairly small town in upstate New York. We graduated the same year, 1987. We haven't been in touch in, in 30 some years uh, until recently and and it's nice. I mean, Facebook and the internet has made it so nice to be able to get back in touch with people from our past and so
1: it's been nice uh, to connect with you again (laughs) yeah we've been chatting chatting a little bit on Messenger. it's been nice
0: it's been great it's been really great and it's it's kind of reconnected me in some ways to home again because I've been out in California for so long and you know I don't get back there that much but connecting with more people back there yourself included is it's just been reminding me of of my roots a little bit more and uh, appreciating them because when I left I wanted to get out I couldn't wait to leave and I feel a little differently now so yeah.
1: I can relate to that from having been out to been to college, and um, I, I know growing up I, I, I definitely had thoughts where you know why did my parents bring me to this godforsaken place where it's cold all the time, and uh, being so close to Canada, and uh, we get a hundred over a 100 inches of snow a year, which is like in the top one percent of the United States in terms of snowfall, yeah, but, but yep. uh, having been away, I uh, definitely have a deeper appreciation for it
0: yeah so you're even farther north now right and in saint regis
1: yeah so about uh, yeah it's about 45 minute drive from cernac lake um north so i'm i'm actually only a half hour away from the canadian canadian border i'm two hours south of uh, montreal and um, i'm actually only two hours away from ottawa as well okay
0: i didn't realize ottawa was that close
1: yeah it's i love ottawa
0: yeah. So um, so I was reading through your bio and, you know, I was really struck by the variety of interests you have held and explored over the years. And I thought we could start by talking a little bit about your work life. You've had a career in hospitality and food service over the years. And then you made a transition to account management for this management training company that you work with. And, you know, I think... Food service. I was in the restaurant business too, so I understand, you know, the hours and the grueling atmosphere of of that work. But tell me a little bit about, you know, I'm interested to hear more about your stint with the U.S. Um, with the U.S. Olympic Training Center and what that was like, because that must have been interesting working with the athletes that were coming through, like Placid, at the time.
1: Yeah, that was a really unique experience. Um, the Olympic Training Center is a facility where uh, uh, the athletes can focus on, on the training and a lot of their general needs are taken care of. So they have, like, it's full hospitality. They have, they have uh, sleeping arrangements and, and the food and the training facility, the, the um, sports medicine. Everything is all under one roof for the most part except for certainly some of the training venues if they're going to be out, out skiing obviously they have to be out skiing but the working in the food service was very interesting because it's kind of open cafeteria style so you end up end up meeting the athletes uh, working working in that facility so uh, i moved up to to cook uh, after a few years of doing Various various kitchen duties, Um, but um, it was very rewarding experience. I got to meet a lot of athletes. Um, I worked there in the '90s, so I got to meet a lot of the athletes that went to the Nagano Olympics and Lillehammer Olympics, and probably cooked for you know probably ninety percent of the of Team USA for those Olympics, and also a lot of teams from other countries stayed there as well. So I definitely met some international athletes it's really interesting to see the different diets of athletes um, i uh some some of them have specialized recommendations for their diets for for their teams um, some some teams it, some athletes eat more than others some some eat healthier than others it it varies from sport to sport but uh but it it was uh really good experience
0: I think the multicultural aspect must have been really fascinating.
1: Definitely. I met um, pe- yeah, I met people from all over the world. It was as someone who was uh, uh, learning Japanese from from a young age, um, even then, I was connecting with some Japanese <laughs> Japanese athletes.
0: I want to get to that uh, topic a little bit more shortly because um, I think there's a lot of richness there and it's part of what the workbench will, part of, you know, our, in our discussions of the workbench and what what it means, I think that really fits into that um, concept of what we dream of doing and what we need to work on. Before we get to that, though, tell me a little bit about your transition out of cooking into your into the next phase of your career because that's also... Workbench worthy conversation,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. So, a lot of my motivation was to, um, when it comes right down to it, was raising a daughter who um, was about to go to school. Working nights and weekends all the time was not as desirable. Um, I definitely felt that uh, my my family choices were important. At prioritizing my family situation. So looking for a nine-to-five job was a lot more desirable. And a friend recommended to apply to American Management Association. She was aware that I was pretty good with computers and was good with customers. And she recommended me to apply into a customer service job. So um, I worked in customer service for... About a year and a half prior to jumping into the account management side. And I worked answering the phone. So I would handle anywhere between 50 and 80 calls a day, inbound customer calls. And so a lot of it was taking orders for uh, registrations for management classes, answering questions. And then I just applied for the account management position and, uh, and the rest is history. And um, I've been in that role for uh, almost, I think almost 18 years now.
0: Okay. I mean, if you've been there 18 years, I would have to assume that, that it's been a good role for you and, and something that's, that's both fit the family um, priorities that you talked about, but also been satisfying professionally.
1: Yes, Um, it's been. I think it's been very rewarding because I have uh, been able to communicate um, and build relationships with people all over the world. And um, most of the customers that I work with are in the United States, Um, but I have worked with many uh, international companies um, over the years as well. So there, there has been communication including phone communications with people internationally uh, throughout throughout the years um, I've worked with companies that are in fortune 500 a lot of small businesses education institutions government but not as much government there are there are other account managers that specifically work with government
0: it's a specialized knowledge I would imagine
1: yes yeah, so dealing with the Dealing with the government as a whole other entity, and in, in, in terms of communic- how to communicate with them and what what their needs are, right. or is is very different.
0: Right.
1: Uh, I've worked with people throughout the U.S., and I, I find it very interesting to get to know people from from every state uh, over the years. So it's interesting to get a sense of kind of where you know, where people are and and what their life is like in in that part of the country. And it's been rewarding to assist people with their educational goals and and, and their development. Um, So as people are looking to improve their career, as they're looking to improve their professional development, courses that my company uh, teaches, helps them gain the skills that they need to either, you know, as part of a performance appraisal or as part of a, a, if they're seeking um, a promotion, you know, it may give them a leg up uh, in terms of, in terms of getting, getting to their, their goal.
0: I grew up hearing about AMA and never really paid attention to it. It was one of the, one of the main employers in Saranac Lake. and, And I know they have offices in New York city too, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then my interest kind of renewed when I when I um, started getting into the leadership development area and learning more about that. I they came back on my radar as as a company that was uh, doing a lot of, of interesting and good work there and offers a lot of great programs and and just is is uh, very well respected in that industry of trading and development. So. I'm going to switch gears here and want to talk a little bit um, about school and specifically, you know, you, you mentioned in your bio and we've talked that you spent a year at Berklee College of Music in Boston. And I'm interested in you telling me a little bit about your time there, what brought you there and what you learned.
1: Yeah, So growing up, I uh, love music. My my mom was very good at, at Piano, and my dad had learned, you know, violin as a kid. So, and we and we listened to music a lot. And I started taking piano lessons when I was in junior high, and continued that through high school. And and then, of course, uh, uh, being in band with yeah. mis- with with Mr. Bixler, and of course, your father it was a great experience being in band i i think uh, i know i mentioned to you that i your father was a, a really important part of my high school education he was really helpful to me um in in regards to me staying motivated to get through high school it was a little bit of a tough time for me academically i was kind of average student i wasn't a bad student but uh, but i struggled and um i did much better in college in terms of in terms of my growth but uh but high school was a tough time so um music was kind of my rock it was uh, really kept me going and um going to berkeley college of music was a dream that i had probably for most even throughout high school um i had visited berkeley college of music when I was I think a junior in high school just to see it and I applied and and got in I was pretty pretty happy about that um I I know nowadays you have to audition to get in there I'm not sure that I to be honest I'm not sure that I would have got in if I had to audition I don't know (laughs) I I I may be selling myself a little short there but but I it's it's not it was not an easy school to get into
0: Right. I mean, it's so well-known and and so many amazing musicians come out of there. And so you went in for piano?
1: Yeah, so um, I had actually, I did. Um, So in school, I played trombone. And I actually kept that up uh, a little bit. Um, I was even in community band with your dad.
0: Oh, um, you were! I didn't know that. That's so af- cool.
1: <laughs> af- after school, so right. I, I I stuck with it a little. I you know I stuck with it a little bit, but the, but I did switch to piano, kind of as my main instrument when I was mm-hmm. at Berkeley.
0: Yeah, I didn't remember you playing piano in band. I thought it was I no. thought it was saxophone, but I, it was trombone.
1: It was trombone. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I had actually. Uh, my my interest was music synthesis and i had actually de- bef- i had actually declared my major as film scoring i was interested in in film scoring and um, because i didn't finish school i didn't really end up end up taking any courses in film scoring but it was definitely my my main interest um, I, as, uh, as a young person, whenever I watched movies, I was always listening to the music, and I was fascinated with the addition to the experience um, that music brings to movies. It, it's, it's impactful.
0: It's, it's so um, stealthy impactful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention to it.
1: Right. And I found myself like when I would talk to people, did you listen to that? What, what'd you think of the music? People are like, I didn't, I didn't even notice the music. Yeah, but I was, I was one of those people that I was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree.
0: <laughs> you were saying.
1: Oh, but just, yeah, I was, uh, I, I was paying attention to the music, I think, in, in more than most people in terms of when, whenever I would talk about the movie, I would often talk about the music and, and it didn't seem to, um, it didn't jump out to people as as part of their experience as much as it did me.
0: <laughs> Don't you find, so I feel like the music analysis part of who I am, it it's hard, well, it's not that hard to find other people who can talk about it or analyze music in that way, the way you did with movies and film and music. But I know that it's like, I'll say something to my, my husband about, did you hear that drum beat? <laughs> they'll <laughs> be like what drum beat?" like all i hear is the whole of it and i'm like oh but can't you hear what he's doing there with the fill and he's like no i can't and i think it's the same with you right so you go up to people and talking about movies and music and and they may have experienced or had emotion around it or they could feel the anxiety when 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 the music shifts darkly or whatever the case may be but but you're you're able to pick out those those elements of it and I don't know. I miss talking to people about that kind of thing. I, I uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I need a, I want, I want more of that in my life, you know,
1: same, same here actually. Yeah.
0: That's <laughs> so. <Yeah>, interesting. <laughs> you talked a little bit in our correspondence about, um, about leaving Berkeley and, and not really having made peace with, with part of that in your life. I, I mean, you, you may have by now, but, but having mixed feelings about it. And I think that's, I think that's, a common thing to happen at a young age is to, I don't know, be really interested in something, but not realize the scope of what it means to do it as a career. And then, and then never really putting to rest that, um, what you had hoped for or dreamed for versus what it actually would mean for your life. So do you, what can you share about that with, with us?
1: Yeah, it's tough because, uh, um, there's there's still a little bit of guilt because it was it was such a dream for me for a long time and, and I feel like I abandoned it and that that's 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 a tough thing to to try and manage um, in your in your mind to moving forward like I gave up and I quit you know or th- you know things that you know pop into your head but but I felt when I thought back on it and what I, the way I communicated communicated to people about it was that I, I did learn a lot. I don't regret my experience there. And I really f- felt that music is something that you have, that you, in order to be successful, you have to eat, sleep and breathe, you know, music. And it's, it, it's, um, I, I was, I'm one of those people that has varied interests and it's really tough for me to be so focused. Um, so one of my uh, dorm mates, Um, when I was at Berkeley, was an established guitar player, and he practices guitar eight hours a day. And I I definitely was, I was surrounded, it was really nice to be surrounded by people who are really into music and who were lifting me up. Uh, I had great doormates, I made some great friends, and I I had some great teachers. It was, you know, I have no regrets about about that time there but going forward it's felt kind of weird to not play as much as i did back then and um, i actually just recently bought a a keyboard i bought a full-size yamaha keyboard so it's something I'm, i'm getting back into and i'm really excited about it with today's technology um there's there's a lot out there that can help you kind of get back into playing or, or to start if you want to. Yeah. Uh, The internet has so much to offer for, for musicians and aspiring musicians today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. I think uh, the access is amazing. And I also think it's, we boomerang with some of these things in our lives too, where we, we start out with the interest, we explore it. We decide to go in a different direction for many reasons um, and then we come back to it, and I guess we kind of winnow down the options to what we really want to commit to and and mm-hmm. then start playing with that and I think that is I think that's a normal trajectory it's one of a few and I, I also know of people um, who know what they want to do from a young age and just are, mm-hmm. are all in their whole lives and, and that but I think that's more rare and and less you know less common than than the expo- exploration that a lot of us do.
1: I agree. Um, I, I'm jealous of the people that can do that, that they know <laughs> from a young age what, <laughs> what they want to be and stick to it and just <laughs> live that and live that. It's kind of <laughs> nice in a way, but, but, uh, but i I do think that uh, it, you're right it's it's much more natural uh, and and common for for people to have varied interests and, and want to pursue different things at different points in their life. as people grow, I, I think as people grow and people learn, um, people explore different sides of themselves and realize other interests and and are inspired to do different things from other people um, uh, it's, I, I see it all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it takes, I mean, I think at times, especially in midlife, it can take some courage to admit to having an interest in something new. And I think, I think a lot of people struggle with that, where they have this picture of themselves as I'm a such and such, whatever work they do, or whatever. I'm a family man, or I'm a, you know, um, architect, or I'm a uh, musician or account manager. and, And that's, that's what I do. And I do this on the weekends, but I have this interest in, Something else, and it can be hard for people to honor that and be willing to explore it after a certain age. I think some people struggle with that, and so I I, I love that we're talking about this because I think if if someone's in that situation, this is this is a good reason or excuse to to start exploring that and, and experimenting. You don't have to commit. You don't have to go all in. You can just play around, and and that's what's exciting to me about knowing our minds a little bit more at this age um, than we do when we're younger. I agree. So Japanese has been a love of yours for 30 years. And how did that even come onto your radar to start? I'm really curious about that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um, when I was a teenager, um, I discovered Japanese comic books. and and I, I think, uh, you know, at the time, um, you know, people would think of comic books as being, you know, for kids, and uh, you know, okay, you know, Donald Duck or Spider Man or Superman or you know things like that. But, but Japan is has a, a very unique, a unique situation in their history where after World War II. Japanese people did not have a lot of money to entertain their children. And comic books were a very inexpensive way for parents to have something to entertain their kids with. So there was this whole generation of kids that grew up reading comic books after World War II, and they were inspired to create comic books themselves. And in Japan, uh, comic books continued to thrive. It's something that, is they're read by uh, adults, children, men, women, and there are what all different kinds of genres of comic books. They're beautiful. Books. Yes, they're, they, they're, they're
0: very well put together
1: they're they're creative with their storytelling the art is is beautiful and um many of the comic books become animated films and um and there's kind of a progression in terms of in terms of that as being a manga author it's it's um you've really become successful once you hit those weekly magazines that they publish um so if you get your you get a certain number of pages that get put into either a, a weekly or a monthly serial comic. And then the best of those get put in made into animation. So, um, manga authors are some of the most published authors in Japan. They're there. The percentage of the number of people who read comic books is so much higher than, in say the United States. And the, the, I think I remember a long time ago reading that that almost uh, 25%, somewhere around, I, I, I'm i not sure the exact number, but somewhere around 25% of all books in Japan published are comic books. Really? <laughs> so when I was, actually when I was at Berkeley College of Music, I took a Japanese language class and um, I had a great teacher. He taught jazz music, but he was, Um, his parents were from Japan and he was fully Japanese and he learned Japanese. And in addition to teaching music, he taught Japanese language class at Berkeley. And I found myself really enjoying that class. And I found myself really enjoying learning about Japanese culture and the language. Uh, It's almost like an enchantment to me. Um, Their culture is so different and um, they have this mix of, of new and old there there are some some centuries centuries old traditions that that are still maintained today uh, of all sorts um including their diet and and the way they live but uh, but then there's this uh, there's all this technology that they have and all this new stuff that's mixed in so you have this really amazing mix of new and old and in, in, in their culture and I never thought just, about fascin- it that way. It's, yeah. it's fascinating to me. Um, the way that the way that they the way they live is is in many ways so different from ours. Um, and I f- I find those differences fascinating. It's
0: So you got started with the comic books and then you you took a class in college that that really kind of expanded your interest and then you've continued with the learning throughout Um, and you talk a little bit in our correspondence about fits and starts and, and bumps in the road with, with pursuing it. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, you know, what's gotten in the way and, and then how do you want to, how will you be approaching it now? You said you have kind of a a better sense of how you can keep the learning going now. So I'd love to, you know, dig into that a little bit.
1: Yeah so over the years I've, I've yeah it's been a really interesting journey and I, when I list, when I started listening to your podcast I was taking uh, taking it all in and I was realizing when I listened to your podcast that a lot of this can apply to my learning in Japanese it's something that I've been doing for a long time and there there are a lot of resources out there and I've done a lot uh, I've done a good job at throwing some money at it in terms of purchasing resources, and you know, certainly I've spent some time on it, but I found I found it difficult to do on my own. Um, so I've found uh, over the years that there, it, it's it's difficult in a rural area where there are no Japanese people to to learn a language on your own. So I've had I've had to get creative in terms of my resources, but with, like I was saying before with, with music, with the internet, it's so much easier today. There's so many resources out there, but, but, but to, to my, my struggles, you know, I, I've, I, there were definitely times when I would pick it up and, and work through a textbook and then kind of feel like, Oh gosh, this is, this is almost too hard. I don't know. And where, where am I going to go with this? How, how am I going to, what's my end game? And so over time, uh, I, I've realized and, and certainly and, and even since listening to your podcast, I, I kind of stepped back and said to myself, "You know what really are my goals with this?" And I realized that I, at some point I would like to speak Japanese and be fluent. At Japanese, but really, my goal is to read in Japanese, not just comic books, but other other things. I like I like listening to the news in Japanese. I like lis- I like reading the news in Japanese. So my focus for now is is to work on reading Japanese, and so accumulating tools has been a big part of of my end end goal.
0: I, I I'm I'm just thinking about what you're saying. And and so I agree. I think it's really hard to stay motivated with something when you, when you're like, what, what is the purpose of this? It's not for my job and it's not something I need, but it's something I want. And then language is super hard and, and, and Japanese has got to be probably one of the harder languages to learn. So tell me a little bit about the tools that that you've started um, using.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so Um, More recently, um, yeah, there are a lot of really good ones out there right now that uh, that I've been using for a number of years. Um, So there's a lot to tell. So it's kind of my my journey is 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 kind of complex because there's been just so much going on with it. Being you know trying to study for the Japanese proficiency exam. Mm -hmm. So there are resources that I've had to prepare me for that. So it's it's hard to know where to start. It's hard to know where to with, start with, with with telling my story. But but well, let me
0: direct. Let me let me ask this question. So over the years, like what has gotten in the way besides resources to take you off track? Because I, I think we often have these life. We we get momentum and then we lose momentum, and and there's things that can happen, and then. Because I I think it's helpful for people to understand the flow of uh, interest and how it can be pursued. And I think you've got some good intel on that. So I'd love you to share yeah. that.
1: Sure. Um, so yeah, o- uh, over the years, I've tried to make personal connections. I have uh, one scenario where I was like, okay, let me see if I can find some a Japanese person in the area. And I was able to find there was a, an instructor who taught – Um, at SUNY Plattsburgh who was Japanese and he actually met with me in Saranac Lake he he had to come to Saranac Lake to a doctor appointment so he and his wife met with me and I I, uh, he had his wife try and teach me Japanese and it was it was odd because she d- actually discouraged me from learning Japanese really she said why are you learning Japanese when you should if you're gonna if you're gonna learn a language you should be learning something like Chinese or Arabic or something yeah. like that so so there are there are actually there have been some discouragement <laughs> you know that's set you back a little a, a little because um because of the fact that here, here I've gone to the length of trying to make a connection with someone <laughs> yeah. and they admitted to me that they weren't aware of any other Japanese people in the area. So uh, um, I know that there, are, there have been people um, at the Trudeau research facility who are Japanese, but I'm sure that they're very busy and they don't, they're not going to
0: take the
1: time to teach me Japanese. But
0: Well, she probably voiced I, a question you had in your own head anyway.
1: Yeah, so there are definitely reasons to not learn Japanese. And it it's interesting because I've I've read about how if you go to Japan and you try and speak Japanese to people, it's a little bit like being David Blaine uh who's this famous ma- magician and and going going to a party and not pulling out your magic tricks because literally your superpower as a U.S. citizen is your English ability, and everyone in Japan wants to speak English with you.
0: Mm.
1: So um, certainly they will be encouraging, um, and they would speak Japanese with you. But your superpower is to speak English.
0: And, um, <laughs> That's <a> great analogy.
1: <laughs> so, so you have to kind of come up, uh, come up with your own, you know, your own goals. I think, in, in terms of, God, it's tough because. I, I definitely have you know, made, made some progress and some connections. So when I was a few years back, I'm going back a little bit over 10 years back, um, I found out about the Japan America Society of Vermont. And, um, and they actually teach Japanese classes. And I went over and took a class. I actually got, I went to Plattsburgh, jumped on the ferry, and I was taking a class. And I had a really good teacher, and she was certainly not discouraging. She was actually encouraging, and I ended up being a board member of the Japan America Society of Vermont, and it was it was nice. It was once a month I could go and, and talk to people about Japan and some of the the connections of of the cultural exchange between. Um, Japan and the U.S. And, and its relation to Vermont and businesses in Vermont, um, but the main there's so much I, I could talk for hours about that alone. But but the the main the short of it is the the Japan America Society of Vermont's main function is is this wonderful festival that they hold every two years, and it's a cultural exchange and sometimes they get thousands of people that come it's it's um it, it's in colchester at saint michael's college they hold it in their big gymnasium and they have the taiko drummers and there are, there's dancing koto music there's uh some of the local japanese restaurants come and they set up and they serve food and they're they're try on a kimono you can uh you can Learn a little bit of Japanese. There's uh, check out the bonsai trees. People have all kinds of things going on all at all at once, and and it's a big undertaking to put this on every two years. And while I was there, they they had me MC this event um, twice, and it was really an honor. And it was kind of the first time I'd really done any kind of public speaking, so it was really uh, nerve wracking to get up there and have like like literally hundreds and hundreds of eyeballs looking right at me that was the first you know <laughs> so and scary. I'm, I'm and I'm up on stage talking to them you know introducing the next act and and uh, you know announcing the raffle prize and whatever but yeah. uh, but uh it went pretty well and so I've definitely had some good experiences in terms of it, it's not it's not all all been roadblocks and, and, and potholes
0: <laughs> right <laughs> And don't you find too that some some of that, you know, you alluded to the fact that you you see a way forward now. Um, you know you, you can anticipate some of the potholes and roadblocks mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you've got kind of a clear path forward or at least a, a resolve that'll help you through those. Um, what brought you to that or what specifically do you? How will you handle that next
1: unexpected? Sure. So, yeah, so learning Japanese, one of the things I learned about was there's there's a Japanese language proficiency exam, and it's held all over the world. There are tens of thousands of people take this exam, and they have various levels. So as uh, people can use it as a motivation tool to become fluent, and the end game for, for most people who take the exam is – uh, either f- to motivate them to become fluent, but also as job placement. So um, if if someone is looking to move to Japan, taking the JLPT is really one of the most popular ways to show that you have ability in Japanese. So the tests uh, does not test... There are some things that it tests and there are some things that it does not test. It does does not test your ability to speak Japanese and it also does not attest your ability to write Japanese. What it is is it attests your listening ability and it also tests your reading ability and through that it can assume that you have some speaking ability and some writing ability. Um, so they 're creative in that in That's that 's fascinating
0: regard. in and of itself
1: yeah, so um, the language is they, so they, the jLpt test offers five levels of the of the exam, so um, uh, around five years ago, I decided to take the first one the easy the easier level, and i I took it and I passed. And that was, that was exciting. So I was able to use that as motivation to, um, you know, the exam as motivation to study and there are resources out there. There actually is an amazing amount of resources to study for the test. Um, it's big business. Um, so there are people have YouTube channels where there are, there are books and study prep guides, um, there are sample tests out there, um, and it, it's popular. Um, some people who have even passed. I've seen where pe- people have, who have passed the the hardest exam will take it again and try and get a higher score, mm-hmm. uh, just to keep the motivation up, um, to keep the learning going, and and so even even passing the hardest one is not the end game. It's not it. the end.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> for, that's some, very... for some
1: people. So um, I did take the, four, the, the the next level exam a couple years ago and I did not pass. So that was a roadblock mm-hmm. and I almost passed, um, um, but I, I was going to, so I've been studying this year toward taking that again Except with the pandemic, it was cancelled for this year already. So I know that I, I won't be able to take it this year. Right. So so I did so I adjusted my goal to take the one the what is the level three. So I'm I'm not gonna take the one I failed. I'm gonna take the next one. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna bypass yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of complicated. I don't want, I don't want to.
0: Yeah. I, think, I don't, I think that might not be where we want to go from, from a weed <laughs> standpoint, but, but yeah, I yeah. think, but I think the point is, and, and certainly, you know, I think over the past several months as we were you know messaging on Facebook or whatever you were, you were saying that you had, I remember you talking about having doubts about it and then, and then coming back to it and, and kind of reengaging with it. And I think that's, what's exciting to me about, About the growth that we pursue, and and you know, I think your story is a really good one for others to kind of take note of. Is that there are there are roadblocks, and sometimes that helps you finesse your next goal. Like you can't take level twos, so you're going to study and take level three, and and you have reasons for that 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 makes sense to you. And and also the fact that you're listening to your own inner voice on that I think is really important because it can be easy to be swayed by others voices it's just I find that so easy to move us off course is is just a a, somebody's thought or quick comment that really echoes a a concern or question in our own minds and and it becomes a reason to not pursue something so the fact that you are I think is really both impressive and also inspiring so thank um, you yeah, so um, wanted to ask, let's see, where are we going to go from here? If you were to give your younger self some advice, what would it be?
1: I think I would tell my younger self to stick with something uh, and, and at least try and master. There are times when I feel like I, I, I give up um I used to give up a little too easily when things would get tough. Mm-hmm. And I would say to push through and not give up quite so easily.
0: That's a good one. I like that. A couple more questions before we close for today. And we could certainly do a round two and, and, and kind of catch up with you in, in a few months as to your journey with Japanese and, and your other projects. Who do you admire and why?
1: Who I admire? I have a, 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 there are a lot of people I admire, but uh, one that comes to mind, I think kind of the easy one for me is, is uh, Malala Yousafzai,
0: mm, the, mm-hmm. the
1: Pakistani who stood up to the Taliban. Well, she was actually shot. Um, okay. Okay. And, and so she, she fights for education for, for um, young girls. Mm-hmm. And um, I think her story is amazing. She's this, she's only 23 years old, and I feel like she's wiser than I'll ever be. Right. And um, she started advocating for young girls' education when she was like 11 or 12 or something like that. And um, as a teenager, she was uh, really vocal in her. So she fights for um, for women's rights, for educational rights. There are somewhere around 130 million women, uh, young like young girls who don't have access to um, education, and she's trying to narrow that down, and bridge that gap. For there are so many countries where where young girls don't have access to education so
0: and are actively I, discouraged from even trying to pursue it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I
1: can't uh, say enough about her. She's, she's amazing.
0: If you have a link to, to her story and want to send it over, I can include it in the show notes for the podcast. Cause I always I love to. showcasing other, other people's work. I think it's really important to, to, to do that. Tell me what's on the horizon for you over the next year, uh, year or two. Do you have any big projects or plans aside from, from, Continuing with the studies of Japanese.
1: Getting back to the music, I think um, working on learning piano, uh, kind of relearning piano, and trying to get good at piano again is uh, is definitely on my horizon. I I want to rid myself of of the guilt of not playing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy it again, and I, 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 I have so, so many. I have so many memories of of playing um, as as a young person and of of being creative with my music. I used to write songs, and I used to collaborate with friends and get together. Um, I was not always the best at playing piano, like in a group, but uh, but I really like to create my own create my own songs and my own unique I had my own unique sound Mm -hmm. and style and but I but I like playing classical music and I like the idea of playing I like the idea of learning some some popular songs. My girlfriend would like me to learn some Hamilton songs. she's oh
0: she's, yeah, she's,
1: she's currently obsessed with Hamilton.
0: <laughs> Everybody has that, that time in which they're obsessed with Hamilton. It's, it's a good obsession to have. <laughs> well good. well, I just wanted to say thanks for your time today. It's been so great talking to you and reconnecting and, and I really thank you for sharing your story with, with our audience and any, any final any final workbench thoughts you'd like to share?
1: Well, I definitely yeah, definitely feel ha- happy to have had the opportunity to speak to speak with you today. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I've found it to be enlightening and I certainly recommend it to other people and um and I'll certainly continue to recommend it to people.
0: Thank you so um, much. It yeah, really means so, a lot. You yeah. I mean, your your comments over the last several months have helped me kind of re retool my thinking and and dig back in and and also not not quit give up (laughs) because there have been moments where i've just wanted to chuck it all you know um so i appreciate that
1: yeah Um, so yeah i think um yeah um i'll i'll keep up with my japanese and certainly if, if there's anyone here who's listening listening who would wants to learn japanese i would say stick with it figure out what it is that you you want as your goal kind of pl- make a plan and you're certainly welcome to uh check out the show notes and my contact details and you're welcome to reach out to me for some some advice i'm glad to point you in the right direction i've got lots of resources and tools that i can point you to
0: <laughs> that's great that's great well david thank you so very much and um we'll talk again soon
1: look forward thanks so much chris
0: all right take care all right bye-bye Bye-to. Thanks so much for listening today. If you want to reach out to David and talk music, Japanese language, or about any of the topics we covered today, he's on Twitter at ADKDCM. And join us next Wednesday for an episode 16, where I share some words and thoughts on one of the books that has made a big impact on me. It's called The Art of Stillness by travel writer Pico Iyer. And please check out the show notes for references and information from this episode. As always, sending out love and light. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today at The Workbench. We welcome your comments and would love to hear what you're in the process of building. Look us up at ChristinaAu.com, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-A-U.com, and if you enjoyed this episode, You can help us with our build by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We aim to stir the pot and inspire you for the next big thing you want to build or create. We look forward to seeing you next time.